Louise McSharry on 2FM. Now, in 2018, Ireland voted to overhaul its abortion laws via a referendum, which I'm sure you're all aware of. The then Taoiseach, Louis Varadkar, told crowds at Dublin Castle the results showed the Irish public trust and respect women to make their own decision and choices. It's also a day when we say no more. No more to doctors telling their patients there's nothing that can be done for them in their own country. No more lonely journeys across the Irish Sea. Three years on, and we see that that has not always been the case, especially when families learn that their much-wanted child has a fatal, fetal abnormality. One couple who know this journey all too well and have agreed to chat to us today are Richard and Emma Stevenson. Richard and Emma, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Thanks, Louise. Thanks for having us on. I really appreciate coming in. So, so Richard, I, I read about your experience in the journal because you wrote a piece for them. And that was something you, you came to the journal because you wanted to share this experience, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, initially, I wrote it kind of for myself, just as like a therapeutic type type thing. And uh, Emma read it and some family read it. And, you know, I, the more we spoke to people, they realized that nobody really knows that, pe- that couples are still traveling over to the UK. So, um, yeah, I just sent it in to, to the, the editors of the journal and they picked it up and they were brilliant. They didn't edit it down or anything. They just ran with it and uh, went out last weekend. And, yeah, the response has been crazy. You know, so many couples who have experienced the same heartache as us have, have been in contact. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully it, it, it's worth worthwhile telling our story you know yeah well I, I mean I certainly didn't realize that this was happening and Emma you said to me just there that need, neither did you until it happened to you so maybe you can tell us a little bit about what did happen um yeah so like uh, going back to my 20 week scan um we got the news that um our very loved little baby had a brain abnormality um, and following like further tests, um, MRIs and amniocentesis and stuff, we were given um, the diagnosis of olobar holoprosencephaly. Um, so like 97% of um, babies diagnosed with that condition don't even make it to childbirth. Um, and the 3% that do aren't expected to live very long and... Um, while they do live, it's, um, you know, very tough on them. They, um, We were told anyway in our case that Riley would need assistance breeding, feeding. Uh, you know, he would never recognise us as parents. Like the doctor actually said in his words, it would be like holding a doll. Um, wow. So, like, obviously that was such a, a blow to us. And then to hear that we would have to travel to the UK to protect our baby. We didn't want him to suffer. Mm-hmm. We didn't want him to struggle to breed, struggle to feed anything. Yeah. Um, so we chose, and I use that word so lightly because it wasn't a choice. This isn't something we chose. Um, but we chose to go to the UK because we had to protect, um, protect our child. Yeah. Can I ask you a little bit about because this when when what did this happen? When was your twenty weeks gone? Uh, November the eighteenth of November. Just gone. Yeah, yeah. So you're in COVID in the midst of that. So were you on your own for that I appointment? Was, I was on my own for the twenty weeks gone. Yeah, and um, I remained on my own for a while. And Richard was outside the hospital, and it was only then. Uh, so I had to go and relay all the information to him outside the hospital. Um, and then we were called back in to see um, the fetal medicine team. But again, Richard had to wait outside and I had to go back in oh. um, on my own um, while he stood outside until we were called into the room to see the doctor. I cannot imagine 
what that felt like to have to try and commute. Not only had you just heard this awful news, heartbreaking news, you then had to go and communicate that yourself yeah. to Richard. What was that like, Richard? Um, I mean, it's completely surreal. You never think these sort of things are going to happen to you. Everybody hears, you know, tragic stories, but, you know, mainly, you know, all the other people, you know, that have children around you, majority of them are healthy and everything is fine. Yeah. So when we were pregnant, we just, you know, we, we have a bunch of friends and family who are pregnant at the same time. We just felt, you know, we were all in this together. So, um, yeah, it was. I was standing outside for about an hour. Um, and I remember it was particularly cold, but, uh, you know, you're just, you're not even worried about that. You're just so, um, kind of, it's almost like a little bit like an outer body experience. You're telling yourself everything's going to be okay. Then you're, you're running through all the things that could go wrong. But at the time we still didn't know how serious it was going to be, you know? So then you did eventually get to go in, Richard. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so what was that meeting like then? So they um they did another scan of um you know of of Emma and Riley and uh, you know they what they start they start like measuring the baby's arms and legs and the other lengths and stuff and like the brain is the last thing they check so there was two doctors and you know it was pretty much like that's good there that looks perfect that's fine and then there was just like a silence in the room and uh, you could tell that they were like pointing at the screen and that they had some serious concerns but you know it, it it was probably only a couple of minutes but it you know it felt a lot longer and what were you thinking you know because i've had one of those scans and you know you go in with your your particular fears and but i suppose i can't imagine that you're thinking of the, the worst case which is really what you experienced yeah like even the midwife or sonographer who scanned me first when i was on my own like she did say that she had concerns with fluid on the brain, but she made it seem like it was fixable. Right. Like she never gave me the indication that, you know, Riley wasn't going to be coming home with us. It was right. just like, you need to see more doctors. It could be an infection. Like it wasn't um, made out to be as grave as it was. Yeah. Once we did get under fetal medicine, like they did all they could for us. Like they had all the tests and stuff organised really fast. So we had as much information as we needed mm. um, in a short space of time. But obviously because the way things are right now, doctors are still criminalised. Um, um, they're, they're afraid. And um, there's only so much fetal medicine here can do for us. And they did all they can. Like we know we fully had their support. Yeah. But they couldn't. They yeah. couldn't look after us here. So the doctors themselves can be criminalised in the context of terminations if they are done in a way that is a, that is believed to be outside the guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. So at what point, Richard, then did you hear that? I mean, first of all, when did you think a termination is the appropriate course of action for us? It's the best thing that we can do for our family. And then when did you find out that you weren't going to be able to do that here? When well, when we did the initial um, scan, when I first went in with Emma, it was mentioned that, you know, um, we would need to discuss whether continuing with the pregnancy would be the best thing for the child and for yeah. us and for everything. And um, so that was only first kind of, I think, was that a Thursday or Friday? That that was the first time we kind of knew that this was going to, like, this was the serious end of, yeah. of whatever the condition was. So Emma had an MRI on the Monday and then we went back in on the Tuesday. We met with different doctors and that's when they, they basically laid out that this was the worst case scenario that um, the quality of life for Riley was was going to be zero and um, that most couples, if not all couples in our situation, would 
um, have a compassionate induction of labour, which I think is a, 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 the nicer way to put it, yeah. um, but basically have a termination for medical reasons. And it was then that it was kind of put to us, oh, by the way, we can't facilitate that here. And um, that's, again, a, a, another kind of out-of-body experience where yeah. you're, there's like a numbness where you, you, you kind of feel like, surely this isn't happening to us. And that's when it was kind of relayed, look, yeah, you will have to go to the and UK. why did they say that? Just because um, even though we were told, you know, um, Riley most likely wouldn't make through childbirth and if he did, it would potentially be minutes or, or maybe hours. But because it's not with 100% certainty that Riley wouldn't have survived past 28 days, even with the tubes, uh, you know, the, the machines keeping him alive, because he, he potentially could have survived past 28 days that's the cutoff point right and uh, even though that's a tiny tiny you know percentage that that would would happen um right now you need two doctors to sign off that they both feel that that's that's the likelihood and and that's just not happening in Ireland and that's presumably down to that criminality that we discussed there yeah, yeah. like it seems um from what I know now speaking to like TF and more Ireland and other women who've been through it there is like three diagnoses that um, guarantee you um, to have a TFMR in Ireland and they're Edwards syndrome, Patau syndrome and um, anencephaly. And anything beyond that, it's quite inconsistent. Um, so I actually have spoke to a woman who had the same diagnoses as Riley in the same hospital. Um, but she, she hung on and at like 27, 28 weeks, they had more information they did more tests and they were like, okay, we can look after you here. Mm. Um, but um, we we weren't aware of that, obviously, at the time. Yeah. And even that must be must be hard because maybe if you had known, you know, you, d- you didn't have that information and maybe that might have influenced kind of what you did because y- you felt that your only option was to go to London. Yeah. And so how long was there between finding out that that was what you were going to have to do and when you actually were able to do that? Um, There was three and a half weeks from when we got the date um, of our induction to um, to going, um, which was so hard because obviously I was showing I had a bump. Riley was kicking away inside me Mm. like it was leading up to Christmas. We had just come out of lockdown. Everybody was buzzing and like our world had just been turned upside down. Yeah. How was it for you, Richard? Yeah, again, like it was such a, a long three weeks. Um, you feel very alone. I remember we had to, uh, we went up to, to get a few things for Riley for when we were going over and um, things like trying to find premature baby grows yeah. and trying to buy a little teddy to bring over for him. But, you know, there's no separate section to the shop there. That's in with all the normal Mm. You know, uh, baby clothes the, that, uh, you know, peop- and, and kids are dressed so well now. You know, they're, you're looking at all the little outfits that you wish you were buying, yeah. but you're not. You're trying to find um, things for, for your situation and you're shopping around uh, people who are who are having a much better experience with their pregnancy than you are. So um, it was an extremely difficult few weeks, yeah. um, you know, and, and like obviously that's an a, a obvious thing to say but uh but it really was you know with with covid you know a lot of people still weren't seeing each other even yeah. though we weren't in level five so it was just a long long painful three weeks like. and then so you did go to london and how was it once you got there oh once we got there it was like they just took us under their wing like they really really looked after us like we couldn't have asked for any more they really understood um like that we didn't want to be there and we didn't want to be in this situation 
Um, and I think that's the difference. Like while fetal medicine um, have exposure to this, not all the staff in Irish hospitals do because it is new and not everybody can be looked after here. So I don't think that they have even the understanding um, of what people go through when they have to go abroad. You know, there's a lot of um, little things that they just get a, a little bit right over there. Like um, like myself and Emma, we were never apart for the entire time. You know, there was none of this standing outside waiting to go into the room. Yeah. We were together for the entire, you know, journey. And even in COVID. Even in COVID, yeah. you know, and it got really, you know, the new UK variant went out. They went into lockdown, their heart, strongest lockdown while we were over there. Because um, it, it was, so it was Christmas week then. Yeah, yeah it was Christmas yeah. week and, you know, all the hotels closed and, and the restaurants closed and, you know, there was, you know, it was, it was, it was crazy over there and uh, they give you this little card with a butterfly on it. Mm-hmm. Butterfly is the international symbol for, for stillborn. And when you go in, whether you're talking to the receptionist or a nurse or whoever, once you show that card, they, they know what's going on in your life and they know where to bring you. Yeah. While in Ireland, you have to explain your story to every new person you meet. Yeah. And it mightn't sound like a big deal, but it's, you know, it's very, very painful yeah. to talk about. So, you know, to say that to five different people in the one day, yeah. it's, it's just little things like that were really... Um, showed that they're just a little bit ahead of us right now over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes total sense. I mean, I've been a patient and I know even just from being a patient to have to keep retelling your story is difficult. And I can only imagine what it's like when it's an actual tragedy that you're dealing with. Um, So when when Riley was born, he was born sleeping. Mm -hmm. So what was that like for you? Um. It's such a hard feeling to describe. Like, I think the room was just filled with love. Mm. Um, and myself and Richard just have had such awe for Riley, like, when we met him. Mm. Yeah, like, there's a an eerie silence, unfortunately, in the room. I think everybody, you know, from TV and stuff, even if you haven't had a, a child before, you, you, you have that sound of the baby crying in your head. Yeah. But that wasn't, that wasn't there. And, um... Yeah, so we just uh, it was it was it was about was about quarter past midnight. Mm. You know, we'd been awake for what felt like weeks, and yeah. uh, you know, you're just absolutely emotionally drained, and obviously the physical side that Emma went through. Again, like sometimes we look back now and we talk, and it doesn't really feel like we went through that experience. Yeah, I can completely understand that, I, and especially, you know, in the context of everything, to be in London in the middle of COVID, in that lockdown, to be having this you know, really intense emotional experience as a couple and as a family with Riley. I, I can completely imagine how that might feel. Yeah, but we, we do feel extremely grateful that we had that time, you know, as yeah. as, as painful as it was, we we just we, we were brought to once that, um, you know, Emma had had given birth and there was a few complications after that um, for the next few hours. Um, but uh, once we that that kind of died down, we were brought to a private room, and it was just the three of us for for the next uh, whatever amount of hours it was before mm. before the funeral home came to pick him up. Mm. And um, you know, even though it's the most painful time of our lives, like there's so many moments where we just we wish we could go back there and, yeah. and experience that again. Well, it was your time with your baby. Yeah. So you came home and and then you have to live your life. So mm-hmm. how has that been? Um I mean we've been in we've been in lockdown pretty much since we came home. Yeah. Um which 
you know, initially wasn't the worst thing in the world because we didn't want to see anybody and yeah. it made it easy to yeah. uh, easy to, to tell people that. But but it's it's been a really tough lockdown for everybody. And as as the weeks and the months went on, you know, you'd love to just be able to go for a coffee or go play a few holes of golf or just do anything a normal. distraction, yeah. Just do anything normal. And, you know, 5K is very, very small. Yeah. You know, um, I'm actually originally from the north side, so most all my friends and family are actually further than that. So there's there's so many people that we still haven't seen, Yeah. you know, th- over three months later, um, where all you just want to do is give them a hug and yeah. have a chat. But unfortunately, and look, that's, you know, that's down to time and that's nothing to do with the law. That's just down to lockdown and COVID right now. But uh, it's been, it's been, a very long three months. Like I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. Can I ask, what would it have meant to you to be able to do this in Ireland? It would have meant a lot of things. Like it would have meant that we'd have our family around us. Um, it would have meant that we would have more time with Riley. We wouldn't have had to have his funeral the following day. Um, but also in terms of like post-mortem and things like that, we could have had a post-mortem. Like we didn't feel like we could leave Riley in London and just fly home and go yeah. back for his service. So um, we gave up on that, obviously. And, like, it's just not right, like, sitting um, on a flight the Friday before. Sorry. It's okay. It was the Friday before Christmas, so we we came home on a Friday night. It was about 8 o'clock, and um, that flight was packed with people coming home for Christmas. Yeah. Um, like, there wasn't a free seat on either flight going over or coming back and everybody is just in a complete Christmas holiday mood and we're sitting there completely silent with Riley sashes on our lap so you know it's it's so much unnecessary pain, pain for parents and um I mean the alternative to that was to go back and with Covid yeah you know could have been months go back to to London uh, and you even know, without Covid to have to do another trip like that is yeah. too much to ask it just mm-hmm. you feel so broken and empty and um yeah the journey home like the, Riley's funeral we had the morning after he was born and uh, it was just the two of us sitting in the in an empty chapel you know we we carried his little coffin up the aisle and we should have had our family and friends there to help us through that you should have you really should have I just want to say a massive and sincere thank you for sharing your experience with us. And I know it's really painful. I can only imagine how it feels, but I really think it's very powerful. And I really hope that people who are listening, you know, will take this on. And this is it's not right. And I gather the legislation is under review this year, which is too late for you. But obviously you care deeply about the experiences of other parents. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. Exactly. Like we've opened ourselves up emotionally. Um, We're so vulnerable at the moment, but we feel compelled to tell our story because the people of Ireland deserve to know that what they voted for hasn't materialised. And people like us are left behind every month. Like there's still families having to do this. Um, so it is a massive urge to the Irish government and lawmakers of our country to stand up and learn from from this. There is shortcomings of the legislation and while we have made huge steps forward, there still is a lot of work to be done on this. I can't thank you enough. Emma Stevenson, Richard Stevenson, thank you so much for coming in Thanks, and you. talking to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Louise McSherry on 2FM.